Hey everybody, I am here today with Phil Rickey. He is the Vice President of Sales Operations at Clearance. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing well. How are you today? I am doing great. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us today. really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, Phil, I thought what we would do is, uh, before we jump into all the cool things Clearant is doing and talk about cash discounting and some other great stuff, um, I want to get a little bit of your background. So, you know, how did you end up in this industry? How did you end up at Clearant? Give us a little bit of context uh, for your story. Sure, sure. So I got I got into this industry uh, the way that many people get into this industry, which is completely by accident. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> I was actually working, yeah, I was working in the banking world. Uh, as a as a business banker and running bank branches and, and processes and turning around things and all these various things and uh, had a merchant rep and found out about merchant service products and uh, realized it was a great doorstop product to talk to businesses as I was sure. rebuilding communities and doing things like that and uh, realized that very quickly the merchant rep kept kept turning over and over and over again but I right. was still there uh-huh. and I was really good at using it so uh, one thing led to another. Next thing I know, I was selling it. Next thing I know, I was leading a team in it, and uh, that started my career. I started with uh, Bank of America Merchant Services. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, moved uh-huh. over to Key Bank, Key Bank Merchant Services when they decided to kind of branch off and become their own super ISO. Right. And I was part of that leadership team, and I uh, went to Heartland and uh, found my way to Clarence. So, uh-huh. so you work for my old friend Bob. Been in the Bob. industry for a while. Oh yes, all of our old friend Bob. We uh, all yeah. we all love. Bob. We all love Bob. <laughs> we all love Bob. Uh, so so Phil, um, you know, obviously, and and you know, I think a lot of this interview is going to kind of focus on you know the concept of you know passing the cost of processing on to the consumer. There's been a lot of, you know, it's been our big buzz term. It's just a lot of things that happened, cash discounting, surcharging over the last eight, 18 months. And um, I thought maybe if you could kind of zoom out and, and just before we get into all the, the nitty gritty details, can you give us kind of the big picture, how Clearant has approached this over the last 18 months? How has the approach evolved and, and what are you guys kind of doing with this now, this, this idea of passing the cost on to the consumer? Yeah, so so one of the big things is is like anything that's new, right? There, there's two ways uh, that things come into the marketplace, misinformation and fear, right? So right. somebody gets an idea, sure. they want to sell it, they don't understand it fully, and then other people walk in and basically scare people and saying, well, that's wrong, and they'll throw out terms right. like illegal or, right, right. or wrong or not compliant. And it's just it's a lot of nonsense, right? So um, the way we looked at it was we, we partner very closely with the card association brands. We understand where things are in the marketplace. We understand how people are approaching it. We're following the laws. We're following our partners that are out there uh, that, are, that are doing the legal cases. And we decided to be educators in this. So we're, we're out there teaching people how it actually works, explaining the difference between compliance and guidelines and laws, mm-hmm. and, and really empowering people to make the best decision for themselves and their customers. And that's one of the big that's one of the big philosophies we have at Clarence is it, it's to be an educator and advocate uh, for the merchant and for customers so that we can give them everything, but really to empower them to make the best choice for their business. So we don't believe in misinformation, we don't believe in scare tactics. We believe in taking the time to explain things and then letting the customer uh, choose what's best for them and and their customers. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. And you know, when we talked on the phone uh, before this interview, one of the things that really stuck out to me about the strategy that you guys are pursuing is that, you know, most of the industry, really myself included, honestly, has kind of you know maybe oversimplified some of the stuff. So even if it's not a scare tactic, it's really more of a too good to be true tactic of like, hey, just don't pay processing fees right. anymore. It's right. really simple, you know. But 
to your point, mm-hmm. I think Phil is like, you know, merchants are are leery. I mean, anybody that sold this will tell you merchants are not like, yay, let me sign up. It's like, wait, what is it? You know, yeah, yep. something doesn't smell right. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So I think your Correct. approach, I mean, it right. is interesting because it, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you guys are kind of going in there. You're training your team to go in and kind of like, let's let's start. Let's just talk about this stuff. Let's educate what it is before we try to direct you towards a specific solution. Is that accurate? That's hundred percent accurate. We, we call it, you know, pull the curtain back and, and show the wizard. The wizard isn't that scary, right? You got this big, right. scary, you know, head in the wizard of Oz, right? But then when you pull it back, it's actually kind of goofy and funny. And what we try to do is we try to explain this and teach this to our, to our agents and to our, to our direct reps, which is, you know what, it, it, you know, when, when interchange plus, plus pricing first came out, everybody said the same thing. No one's going to do this. It's too complicated. It's just going right. to make people, you know, oh, no, 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 no. And what happened? We took our time. We slowed it down. We explained it and became industry standard. We're taking the same mindset and approach to this. We're just taking it, slowing it down and right. teaching them. And we're doing this through one-on-one interactions. We're doing educational webinars as a company. We're going out there and teaching, inviting people to join in. We're going to associations and offering these classes. And we're just out there just explaining how it works. And then literally the way we designed our program is to offer multiple swim lanes. So whatever way you feel you're the most comfortable with doing, we want to give you an avenue to to offer that to your to your customers it's that simple sure and, and so the the other big trend that you just kind of alluded to that i'm i'm really excited about and i've seen a few different isos kind of jumping on this bandwagon and i really like it which is you know so far in the industry it's kind of been like cash discounting versus surcharging right it's an either or which right? will win you know which is compliant you know well hold on a second right like so the the concept mm-hmm. of what really grabbed my attention phil is Clearant is looking at this as no, no, no. Like there are compliant cash discount programs or whatever you want to call them. There's compliant surcharge programs. So talk to us a little bit about some more detail. Like what exactly is Clearant offering to its merchants, and what's the rationale behind having these multiple options available? Yeah. So so there's there's a couple of different ways that are out there, right? There's there's what what you would call like let's let's talk about this from the perspective of the card brand for two seconds. You have the way that Visa would like you to do it, right? So we'll call that for the for all intents and purposes in quotations the true cash discount, right? Right. Which is I have a price and I discount from that stated price and here's my discounted price, right? So that's one. There's a surcharge program which which we all know with all the great work that a lot of our partners are out there doing. Um, you know we're down to the last six states uh, that right. want to hold out, right? And you can go out there and you can surcharge it and just don't do it on debit card, which I think you and I and everybody else agrees with. We all think that's kind of cute. You know, we're going to put barriers on everything. Right. And then there's the other way, which has been this kind of hybrid model that's out there where there's still been surcharge. It's like a surcharge going on on everything under the illusion of cash discount because there's a way that you can explain it. And where we come from that is, well, that's not wrong, but it's how you price it and how do you actually right. – how you sign it because there are Department of Commerce standards that are out there today that if you sign it in a certain way, it's following the nature of the stated and listed price. It's just how much do you as the customer want to do? So the big thing that I, I would like to just you know, put in there is when we sat down with the car brands, the car brands are trying to, to, to manage this by one theory only, the origination of the complaint. Right. So if somebody comes right. in and says this isn't right – they're trying to manage to that. So we said, look, I don't want to be against you, Visa. I don't want to be against you, MasterCard. Like, tell us how to manage this, and then let's live in reality to what a merchant is willing to do in their store. Because if you've got 2,000 SKUs, you're not going to raise your prices across and re-sign right. your whole store, and you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. So how do we find 
a way to manage these programs that, that honor the, the spirit of the, of, of the compliance and the spirit of what the Durban Amendment was, but also is reality to what a mom-and-pop shop on Main Street can do. And that's where, that's where we came into it is even in our cash discount programs, we manage it to surcharging standards, meaning we're following all the rules and guidelines within surcharging right. within the, 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 the cash discount way so that that way Visa has a place for us to communicate. And instead of the merchant getting 500 letters and scares and all this other stuff and people walking in and saying you're doing it wrong, what they're actually doing is we get the information. We can have the communication back and forth with the merchant, with Visa. We can teach them. We can help them tweak signs. We can help them tweak the way it comes across. And we get to be a, an ongoing partner instead of just a commodity dealer, which is really what our industry has become, if we can be honest. It's a lot oh, sure. of commodity right now. It really so is. we want to be that value-add partner that's with them. Yeah. Sure. And so there's yep. a couple things you brought up that I'd like to dig into a little bit that are that are very interesting. So one thing you brought up that really just hasn't been talked about enough is you know agents and ISOs alike are, are terrified of these compliance issues, whether it's cash discount, surcharge, true cash discount, whatever, right? There's there's these concerns. Right. And, and one thing you brought up that is so true is that I think many of them just don't even understand what is this risk that you're trying to manage against and you know how does stuff become non-compliant whatever and I think the thing that needs to be understood is at least in my experience so far with my consulting clients all of the non-compliance issues stem from a customer complaint that is the origination right. of the problem right yeah. it's like it's not like Visa is somehow magically monitoring all of your merchants to tell if they're doing something wrong. Right. 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 What's happening is a customer comes in, they see this surcharge or service fee or non-cash adjustment or whatever it is, and they say, you know what, I think our state has a law against that or I don't think that's right. And they reach out to their bank and that starts the, the chain of events that eventually can get to the card right. brands to the acquirer. Am I, am I right there? Is there something I, I should should have added to that description? No, that, that's 100% correct. Like, I mean, if, if there was never a single customer complaint, I don't think we'd be talking about any of this, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, we'd be out right. doing it, right? Right. Right. Um, so 100% it all stems from customer complaints. That is a perfect description right. of it. Yep. And, would, and wouldn't, you say, wouldn't you say the other side of it that is interesting that, again, a lot of especially the smaller ones haven't figured out yet, there are customer complaints. I don't care how compliant, quote unquote, your program is. Right. Somebody out there. There is, is have a, a percentage of consumers who are going to complain about this. And so if you're out there with some slipshod, crappy program that's not compliant and you're like, you know, we're just going to fly under the radar and no one's ever going to know. Yeah, they will, because somebody will complain. I Even mean, if it's only just one. Right. Am I, am I right there, Phil? I mean, you guys are getting some. I mean, right. You're going to get some consumer complaints here and there. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got we've got a very small percentage right. of it. Um, and the reason why we've seen that go down. Down, if I could take a second just to talk on it, is is that we I think the biggest myth, and it's a huge myth in our industry. I don't know why we don't think about this. And, and just to be fair, we didn't think about it at first. We've 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 evolved into it, which is we do a great job of selling the merchant. We do a piss poor job of educating the, <laughs> the merchant staff. Right. Because yes. what ends up happening is we get this merchant. Yeah, I'm going to save money. I'm going to do this, this, this. We all we all have this messiah method of, of selling. Save money. Save, save, save. And the reality is, is that it never translates past the merchant. So right. the, the customer comes in and you got that one customer to your point who's like, I don't think this is right. And they challenge the employee. Now you've got a, an employee there and this is not to knock a part-time employee. They're out there making their money just like everybody else. But that part-time employee has not been taught about this. They haven't been educated on anything. They don't know what the hell a cash discount or a surcharge right. even is. They just know that you told them that this sign is up there now. And, and then, that customer gets mad and... 
good, yeah. Now, I was just going to say, and they were probably hired just last week. Right. Right, yeah, just brought on. They have no idea what's going on, and that customer gets pissed, and all of a sudden, what does the employee do? They're nodding their head right along with the customer. They're going, yeah, I don't know. My boss put this up. Yeah, it seems like so unfair. This is what it is. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So so wrong, right. Right. And And that's the nature of it. So one of the things that we're doing at Clarence that's a little different is we made things to give out to the merchants. So once the merchant comes on, there's videos that we've made. They're fun videos. They're not like 20-minute long education right. seminars because you know no one's going to sit through that. Right. They're, they're two- to three-minute videos that explain what it is. What are the benefits to your business? Why it's good for, you, you know, why it's good for your customers? How, how this could actually benefit your customers? What is a cash discount? How does that cash discount work? What are some other programs we can introduce? Can we build you a loyalty program that if you use credit – we understand that costs a little more, but hey – We'll give you 10 extra points on your loyalty if you use credit. Like, there's a lot of interesting ways that you can market something. Right. It doesn't have to just be I save money and I'm done. It can be, no, this is, this is how we interact with our customers. So I think a lot of people don't take the time to train their staff, and that creates a lot of un, undue stress and problems for the merchant. Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, okay, so I, I want to shift gears just a little bit because I, I want to keep talking about this concept, but – you know, now that we've covered kind of the compliance side and all of that stuff, let's talk about sales, right? So, you know, yeah. I think one reason why a lot of ISOs have not gone down this path is because, you know, let's face it, our industry is not exactly the paragon of solution sales techniques, right? We're kind of like, hey, here's right. this one thing, go sell this thing, you know? Right. Um, you can save them money. Don't talk about anything else, you know? And so in that same way, I think cash mm-hmm. discounting, a lot of ISOs I know, they're like either cash discounting or surcharging, and they're like, this is the thing that you sell. So how have you managed that from a sales team perspective? Because is it, you know, is there that confusion? You know, you've got multiple options. Your, your agents are out there on more of a solution sale. How have you handled that as far as getting your team ready to go out and have these more complex, engaging, educational conversations with merchants. So I'm not going to lie to anybody on here and say that it isn't challenging, right? So that's that's yeah. part of when you run an organization, right? Is 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 to that the risk, the inherent risk in anything is the way you intend it to be said and the way it actually comes out, right? That's a that's <laughs> right. a risk that I don't sure. care if you're a, a three man ISO or a 300 man sales force. That's just, right. that's the reality of the business, right? Um, so it's an ongoing thing. The biggest thing that I would say is when we commercialized Empower. Um, a lot of companies, their, their key for this is they come out with one selling strategy, they drop it, they go, and then that's it, and it's done. We have an ongoing commitment to this from a marketing and education standpoint. So we're constantly tweaking. We're constantly getting uh, good stories, bad stories from the field, and we're constantly um, you know, introducing different tiers of training. We're going in. We're doing strategy training, best-case scenarios, and, and we just it's an investment. And one of the big things I always tell people is, you know, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward, the bigger the investment in your people. If you're not willing to stay with that, um, I can promise you what you just described will happen. Now, let's be even more honest and even more transparent. Do we have sales reps that hear something and something just just sticks in their crawl and that's what they lead with? Absolutely. I'm not going to lie and say that that's not it. I mean, we have some people that sell only cash discount because they like that. I have others that only sell surcharging. The cool thing about the program is, is that we don't allow it. Anything that we put out from a marketing perspective doesn't say just one. It says everything. So when we go right. to the market, we're bringing the full solution to the table, and then, and then that helps any rep or, or agent engage the customer, right? They could say this. They can say that. But I'm not, I mean it, it's an ongoing thing, and it, and it will be. But, but just, to, just for a second, let me just say from a results standpoint – 
um, the amount of revenue that's increased, the amount of success, the amount of pull through on these accounts are yeah. really high. And since we started introducing the full scope of the program from an education standpoint with the customer and the staff, our recidivism rate has just dropped down to, to sub 5% levels. Right. And uh, we just, once we get people into it, they're just staying in the program. So, yeah. so we know what we're doing is working, but I'm not going to lie to you and say it isn't a massive <laughs> sure. time and resources. You it know, is. one, <clears throat> one thing you said right at the end that I, I wanted to zero in on be just because, you know, it's, it's one thing that unfortunately a large chunk of our industry still doesn't seem to understand or believe. And that is that merchants who sign up for these, we'll just group them all together that sign up for these programs that pass the cost of processing onto the consumer um, these merchants are, as a general rule, not getting enormous kickback. They're not all canceling and going back to traditional processing. If you educate no. them and they make the decision, the vast majority are not experiencing any significant change in business, revenue type, anything, and they're continuing with the program. Is that an accurate statement? And it, our data completely supports that. Once once you actually do the process, I think what is considered a thorough process, right. I think that is a completely accurate statement. Yep. One of the other things you said, too, that I think is a really interesting approach is that it sounds like, you know, you guys are really using marketing materials as a way to not bypass the agent, of course, but as a way to empower the agent to provide the correct information uh, to the merchant. And I think that's really powerful because then, like you said, it's even if the agent, maybe they're just leading off with cash discount when this merchant might be better suited for surcharging. Hey, at least they're putting that trifle brochure or whatever in the hand of the merchant that does talk about surcharging. Is, is that right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things that explains what it is and it kind of shows you like the, these different paths, right? And that's, I think the, the, the best part about it is if you have a really good marketing partner, um, you know, it's not just it, no one cares about the slicks as much as they care about the, the top line messaging. And right. that's the key thing that we drive through with our marketing is that top line messaging, because that's the thing that's going to catch your eye and right. ask, you know, it's going to it's going to it's going to invigorate the conversation to start looking at different ways. And that's really, you know, we have a really smart uh, head of our marketing department uh, who just does a lot of data research for us. And, sure. and that's where we've really seen some great things uh, improve over the past couple months. So so let me just make sure I, I understand this, Phil. So if I'm an agent and I'm going in yep. to sell, so I'm basically, I mean, you know, I know this term has been used a lot over the years, but I'm basically bringing them a menu, right? That says... Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of like that, right? Yeah, not, not quite a menu, but what it is is it's basically, it, it just, it explains what the program is and it talks about, you know, different different paths to success, right? Like different okay. paths to, 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 to your journey, right? Because so it, it can be like, cash discounting don't, 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 or surcharging or something else, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've had we've even had merchants come to us with great scenarios. Like we had one merchant that said, "Can I do both at the same time?" Uh -huh. And the answer is, "Well, of course you can, but let's talk more about what you're thinking." And what we found <laughs> is, once you get a merchant talking and the way that they want to do it, you know, they had they had this whole store of a lot of SKUs. They really thought that surcharging would be a simpler way to do it, but they had this other services type business where they said, you know, I could build the cost into the quote and then I could offer a discount to that. Could I do both? And I'm like, yep, you sure can. Right. Uh -huh, and it was just working sure. with technology partners and finding right. the right answer. So there's really no wrong way to do it as long as as long as you understand what you're doing. Right. Right. OK. Sure. Yeah. Good stuff. So uh, last question about this. Uh, and then I want to get to some inf more specific information about uh, Clarent. But 
<clears throat> is there any thoughts that you have, kind of final thoughts on long-term viability? I mean, you know, these different programs passing the cost on to the consumer. I mean, obviously you guys have kind of positioned yourself so that it really doesn't matter which direction it goes. But I'm just curious if you have any opinions or thoughts on like how this is going to actually play out in the marketplace. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think I'm, I think you and I talked a little about this, and I'm I'm of the same mind, right? So I really think we're 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 in the end game, if I can use an Avengers term there, yeah. uh, when it comes to surcharging being this this boogeyman, right? I think I think right. within the next 12 to 18 months, as we keep challenging laws and things like that, I think eventually we're going to get to a place where all 50 states right. are going to be on board, sure. which then is going to it's going to change the landscape of surcharging completely, Big in my time. opinion. Um, I, I think the next question then becomes is, hey, dear everybody, if surcharging is okay for credit, you know, at what point in time do we start having the debit conversation as, as an industry for a really long time? So, you know, you want to go at 4% here and 2.5% there or whatever that answer is. I think that's going to open the door, right. and, and I just see that that conversation shifting. Um, I don't think cash discount will ever go away. Uh, I think businesses have been doing cash discount for a really long time, yeah. right. and I think that it makes sense in certain types of industry. I think surcharging makes sense in certain types of industry. I think that what I see this evolving into as as the regulatory environment probably eases and becomes more uh, more fluent, I think what you're probably going to see is the solutions will become um, – will become better and, and more robust. And one of the things that I always say about this industry now is I've never seen a solution hit the market where technology is so far behind. And I think it's because of the trepidation mm -hmm. because of the regulatory mm -hmm. environment. Sure. So once we see that ease up, I think you're going to yeah. see a plethora of really good solutions out there, right. which will just make it more the standard. It's actually funny while yeah. you were talking, I was just thinking, you know, oh, one more question I, w I wanted to ask you. <laughs> and that's what it was, which was like, how is that? Yeah. How is it impacting you that like nobody integrates with this? You know, it's, it drives me crazy, like surcharging, uh, you know, cash discount. Uh, no matter what you want to do, you can be pretty sure that there's not a good technology solution for it. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. how has that impacted you guys? I mean, it well, seems it seems it, like that's in my experience, it's kind of driving away the large merchants it seems like i'm getting a lot of the smaller ones more interested only because they don't require the the technology integrations yeah yeah it's i'm not going to not say it's a it, it's a pain point it is it's a pain point but one of the things that it's really done and i think for us as a company which it's exciting as someone who is is in an up and growing company as claren is it's causing us to innovate you know we're we're out yeah, there right you're you're making it companies happen. now that we're we're creating our own yeah we're creating our own product lines and, and we are you know because because claren is growing at a good clip you know our name is starting to get out there a little bit more right. and more, so that gives us a little more negotiating at the table with other solutions. But you know, it's really causing us to do the innovation. Which, which when you when you're when you're thinking about something, you always want to be the thought leader in something, right? You right. want to be someone who's who's not afraid to say, "Well, let's try." And uh, and I think this this opportunity has made Clarence take a step into that role. And it's new for it's new for Clarence, but it's exciting as, as heck for someone like me because being out here and talking to tons of different business owners and a ton of different CEOs and CFOs and CTOs, I'll tell you that people are interested, and it, it's becoming more into the mainstream concept. It's still mm -hmm. on the outside, but it's getting more in there. And like I said, I just think uh, once we overcome the biggest pain point, which is technology, I, I think I think you're going to see. I, I think technology will actually move the regulatory conversation even faster, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Sure, I think it's like you said too. It's the 50 state thing with surcharging, which causes a big issue mm -hmm. because surcharging has obvious staying power. I mean, in some yep. form or another. Whereas cash discounting is the one I think technologists are kind of like, eh, you know, it's easier to build into it, but it's like, I don't know, is it going to be around very long? So right. And the thing that yeah. happens with surcharging, as we've discussed before is if you're if you're an e-commerce provider right. 
you're kind of in a in a, in yeah, a bind. If you sell to all 50 states, it gets right. a little tricky. So yeah, and yeah. The, and the idea of being e-commerce is to be able to expand your footprint. States, right? <laughs> sure. So well, good stuff, Phil. I really appreciate right. that. So yeah. last Absolutely. last thing, Phil. Last question for you. So obviously, ISOs and agents are on here that are looking for partners that are aggressively, you know, going after cash discounting, surcharging, and kind of these different options. So what can you kind of tell them? Give them the elevator pitch of you know why clearant, and then tell them where they should go to learn more about uh, what you guys have to offer. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, you're going to get somebody who is an aggressive partner, not only in this space, but in other spaces as well, and, and, and a rapidly growing partner. We put a lot of investment in the right things. Uh, we're completely redoing our own infrastructure. We're going to have state-of-the-art tools that are going to be at our hands that you know we've used with our own partners now. We talk to our partners on a regular basis. Everything we build for our inside teams, for our partners, it all comes through conversations of their needs. So you're going to get an aggressive, uh, aggressive partner that's really trying to be a thought leader in multiple spaces, and uh, and it's somebody that's going to work with you for the long haul. So um, you know, and I know a lot of people like to say that, but you know, one of the things that I've had a great experience, you know, talking at SCAA recently and and some other events that we've done is just you know. ISOs are looking for someone that helps them not only just sell a product, but how to position a product and, right. and how to get out there and be, you know, be, you know, an expert and get that edge. And that's all things that we're specializing in is that how do we not only make it possible for you to sell, how do we make you really good at selling it? And, uh, and that those are all key things that Clarion is bringing to the table. Sure. So where do you, where do you send them to learn more? Yeah, simple. I'll make it nice and easy. Go to Clarent.com. So C-L-E-A-R-E-N-T.com. And then just click get started, and there's a little bit of information on there. You can fill it out. Contact our information is on there. You can check out the site. Uh, but if you want to know more about our program, we have amazing business developers that are out there talking with people, and they would love to talk to you and tell you everything that we do. Awesome. awesome. Phil, very enlightening interview. Really enlightening. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Phil. And thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you having me on. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Green Sheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. So Apple, ever the disruptive force, is at it again. The company has announced with much fanfare that it plans to introduce a new MasterCard branded credit card for loading onto Apple Pay. Apple describes it as, quote, a credit card for the iPhone, but it also comes with, the company with what the company describes as a beautiful titanium Apple card. Wow. Yeah. Fancy. For shopping <laughs> at locations that don't take Apple Pay. And it's the product supposed to become available this summer. Now, the move to issue Apple Card accounts, which has uh, the tech giant partnering with Goldman Sachs, could eventually position bypass, uh, but position Apple to bypass the card networks entirely. I suspect when an Apple Card is used at merchants accepting Apple Pay. Apple execs claim that Apple Pay is on track to be available at 60% of retail locations in the U.S. by the end of this wow. year. Wow, that's that's a much larger number than I expected. It really is. But again, I, you and I, you and I have talked. We're both living relatively rural areas and i think a lot of it is in the cities it is well you know what though too i mean it's really built on a technology network that's pretty well established at this point right. with nfc you know right so. exactly so now payments consultant richard crone has described the apple card quote as a seminal moment close quote in the world of consumer credit he said quote apple card is to banking what the ipod was to the music industry what the <laughs> iphone was to wireless carriers what, what ipads were to laptops and what Uber is to taxis. 
What on earth? Yeah. Wait, who said that? Richard Crown. Who's he, the what? He's like a payments consultant. Way early on, his parents were some of the original execs at Visa back in okay. Z-Hawks days. Wow. So he's literally grew up on cards, but... He tends to be. I would, uh, I would vehemently, vehemently disagree with that assessment. But anyway, yeah, but, that's interesting. But, you know, it's an interesting assessment. Yes, sure. Um, so the the uh, the card, at least initially, will be a credit card. But Apple execs make no bones about wanting to help customers quote lead health healthier financial lives. Ah. <laughs> in exchange for Apple leading a healthier financial right? life, <laughs> of course, right? And that, of course, and and then that would mean Apple making further incursions into financial services sure. and payments, right? Sure. So the sales pitch for the Apple Card includes no annual fee, greater transparency around spending and interest charges, and a generous rewards program. Right. Customers will be getting two uh, percent back on all purchases immediately. Um, which gets applied as Apple Cash and can be used to pay for purchases via Apple Pay or to pay down balances or for instant transfers or whatever. Sure. Now, Apple Card will use native on-device machine learning tools and Apple Maps to categorize transactions and identify merchant names for consumers. Then they'll use color-coded categories for purchases to help users keep tabs on spending across common categories such as food and drinks, shopping, entertainment, et cetera, you know, in, sure. in both weekly and, and, and monthly reports. Right. Pretty slick. Yeah. Quote, Apple Card builds on the tremendous success of Apple Pay and delivers new experiences only possible with the power of iPhone, is how one Apple exec described the move. She added that the card, quote, is designed to help customers lead a healthier financial life, which starts with a better understanding of their spending so they can make smarter choices with their money. Transparency to help them understand how much it will cost if they want to pay over time and ways to help them pay down their balances. Now, it sounds to me like there are ideas on Apple's planning board to make additional inroads into financial services. Why not? You know, Apple has some of the most loyal customers on the face of the earth. And I'm right, one of Jake? them. I'm sitting here with my uh, iPhone 8 Plus and looking at my MacBook Pro, the, right? the, most, the, the best one I could buy. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, being a loyal Apple customer, I could give a little uh, constructive criticism here because, you know, number one, uh, there is absolutely nothing innovative about the Apple Card at all. No. It is running on the same rails as everything else. Mm -hmm. It is running interchange the same way as everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, there is absolutely nothing unique about it at all. I have software right now that tracks all my credit card purchases and categorizes and so them by I. location and you know whatever else. Right. And color codes. So to me, you know, I think the way I would I would uh, describe this is, you know, Apple after you know a less than stellar performance with Apple Pay mm -hmm. uh, has decided to make a purely financial play. Right. Uh, as a way to grab more profit from existing customers by offering technology they already use in the way that they already use it. Yeah. This yeah. is the least innovative thing Apple has ever done. But I think it could lead to something. And this is where I, I think is where I'm sure, might, like might financial management software built in and stuff. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, the idea of an Apple branded checking or savings account. Sure. Is not that far-fetched. No, not at all. You know, of course not. set them up with Goldman Sachs. Sure. And, you know, then what's to keep Apple from incentivizing merchants to open mm. accounts with? 
and I've always felt like all along there's a reason why they call it, you know, you know, Apple has, if you look at the phone, you know, the built-in thing is the Apple Wallet. Right. It's right. not just Apple Pay, it's your wallet. wallet. Right? So right. it's going to eventually have your medical records. It's going to eventually have a digitized version of your license. Right. It's going to eventually have your financial information. You know, it's the wallet. So I mm-hmm. think they, I think all along I agree, I think all along they've wanted to uh, do that. And, and I think the two things you got to be aware of is... You know, number one, if something is free, you you are the product or your mm-hmm. data, mm-hmm. right? So the thing that Apple's getting out of this is they know everything about you now. They know even more. They even know more, even right. more than they, they already knew the story you were going into. Now they know what you did when you were there, um, which is great. They can use that for advertising and everything else. So you, there's data. And then the other big thing, of course, is that, you know, it's like, wow, 2% cash back. How are they paying for that, Patty? Well, the merchant. Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called interchange. It's called interchange. And then, yeah. you know, the other thing, too. Think about this. This is one of the things I was thinking about is, okay, so you have the, you have, I have an Apple card. Right. I take it to James's corner store, right? Uh, James has Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Apple says, hey, Patty, open up a, open up an Apple c- checking account with Colt Goldman. Hey, James, open up, uh, a, you know, a merchant account with Goldman. Right. Then... Seems to me that you know um, Goldman then would be both the issuing and the acquiring bank. Sure, and of course that's already going on in our industry so much, right? You know, and it's just another way for Apple to get into. Yeah, I'd be actually really interested. I wonder what percentage of transactions in the U.S. today take place such that the bank is both the issuing and the acquiring bank. Yeah, got to be fifteen percent. I would think. Least, I don't like know, that. maybe less now, but it's you know, there's there's enough banks where there's a random well, assignment. But, like you look know. at Chase. <coughs> B of right. A and Wells that are right. both major issuing and, and major, major acquiring, acquiring banks. Yeah. So very interesting stuff. Well, you know, and and the one thing also that I'm left wondering after reading about the Apple Card is, um, you know, Google Pay came out after. Sure. You know, Samsung Pay. Right. What's so, what's Android? What's Google? Or what is it called now? Alphabet. Right. What's Alphabet going to come out with now to match? Right. Exactly. You know, and again, I, you know, to me, this is just a a blatant. Purely financial play. I mean, there's Surely. there's absolutely no technological innovation here. I, I mean, this well, is just. Don't you agree that you know for 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 Apple diehards, just another another Apple thing to do. It is, and Apple does have a way of making things very convenient, yes, very easy, and they're at a big scale, and so they're well positioned. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, do I think it's a really smart thing for Apple to do this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Do I think that, you know, th- this is my only issue with it. As an Apple diehard, I think one of the things that I don't like about it and that does rub me the wrong way is that, you know, I like Apple because of Steve Jobs, who is now gone, and Tim Cook now is, you know, CEO. And, and the idea is this is a company that is focused on innovation and making amazing tech right. that makes my life easier. Right. I really dislike them taking something and saying, we're not going to innovate at all, but we're going to put a lot of our attention and resources into just leveraging an existing thing that everybody already has to make more money. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. rubs me the wrong way, honestly. Yeah. You know, really, they, they couldn't have thought of of anything. I mean, I mean, I read about it extensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're now again, down the road, yes, maybe they come out with financial management, but then wait until you have that to roll it out because right now there is literally nothing. It's just another credit card. It's another credit card. There's nothing innovative. It has the Apple logo on a normal credit card, and frankly, it's MasterCard's credit card anyway. It's not like it's even 
But it's the titanium carbon. Oh, it's titanium. You know, it's like, like it's, really? it's nothing. And so that, it does actually, like, I personally, I will not get the card. Um, and, and, you know, the only reason is because, you know, I'm like, no, that's, that. I've got everything. I've got the AirPods. I've got the iPhone. I've got the MacBook Pro, you know, the iPad, you know, but to me, if Apple wants my business, they're going to have to make something that is unique mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. shows that their developers built something really cool. Now, when they roll out in 24 months, you know, whatever it is, if they roll out like, wow, this financial management thing is actually way better than what I'm using now. Right. That makes a lot of sense integrated with my phone. And oh, by the way, it works best if you use Apple Card. Okay. Yeah. Now you sold me on it. But, you know, let's be, let's you be gotta realistic. Give me I mean, Intuit does really good financial it does. management it does great. It's going to be really tough yes. to, you know... Do they really? And it's like that's the thing. The thing that frustrates me about it is I don't get the feeling from Apple that they're innovative enough anymore that they even want to take on into it. Mm-hmm. Right now, mm-hmm. I feel like all they're focused on is rolling out the next. You know, uh, I've, like I've got my my Apple Watch. Right. right. They're, they're, yeah, I literally have everything. They're just trying to roll out the next. They're trying to get me to buy the next iPhone, the next MacBook Pro, the next Apple Watch, and I'm fine with that. I'll keep doing that. But then don't try to come out and say we're now going to get into this whole new field. No, you're not. They're right. just not innovative enough anymore. That's yeah. sad to say, but that's what I believe. Yeah, I, I agree. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out anyway, though. Interesting take. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So last week we started a mini-series on different pricing structures in the industry, Patty, because of course uh, this is a big question. Clearing uh, clearing out the cobwebs of yes. confusion. Yes. yes, definitely. So last week we talked about Interchange Plus or Cost Plus where you're passing the cost of processing on to the mm-hmm. uh, business owner. Um, and then you're adding a markup, a percentage and a pride and fee. And right. So we talked about kind of, you know, and, and you know it's funny because the, the big pro or the reason you want to sell that is the transparency mm-hmm. and all of that. But the downside is, of course, the complexity. Right. Because they're getting a statement that's got their entire interchange table, which nobody understands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the potential to have hidden fees in there, right. price increases. So today we're going to talk about tier pricing. So... Tier pricing was, when I got into the industry even 10, 11 years ago, that was still the predominant That thing. was the dominant uh, yeah. model, yeah. Yeah, and so, so the idea of tier pricing is that, you know, when you look at these transactions, we talked about last week how there's this underlying cost that's associated with processing mm-hmm. payments. Sure. So each payment has a unique interchange cost or interchange category it falls into, and that transaction may have a cost of 2% or 1% or 1.5 or 3 You know, like mm-hmm. there's all these different ones <clears throat> and everything from, you know, downgrades and corporate cards on the high side all the way down to regulated debit on the low side. Right. Lots of, of variation. And so you could just pass that cost on to the, to the merchant and then add your markup. That's Interchange Plus. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, okay, we are going to take these transactions and split them up into different buckets or tiers based on the cost. 
Okay. So we're saying, okay, for tier pricing, we're saying certain transactions are going to get our best rate, which is usually called the qualified rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these transactions qualify for the lowest rate is a good way to look at it. Uh, when you look at a statement, by the way, you'll rarely see the word qualified. You're normally going to see an abbreviation of just qual, Q-U-A-L. Right. So I'll say qual, mid-qual, non-qual, and those stand for qualified, mid-qualified, non-qualified. So with tier pricing, you're normally going to have the, the qualified rate or the lowest rate that a card can qualify for. Now, generally speaking, a qualified transaction means it was swiped through the terminal mm-hmm. and that it's a standard card type. It may include some reward cards, usually not. Right. Um, usually it's just standard non-rewards, non-whatever. you know, whatever. card. Yeah. Um, now, uh, that's a qualified transaction. That's going to get the lowest rate. Now, the, the big question with tier pricing and what really further complicates it is you have three-tier and four-tier, or what they call blended rate or split rate tier pricing. Mm-hmm. Now, a blended rate uh, means that you have this one qualified rate of you know 1.59% or something, and that is for all the credit cards and all of the check cards or debit cards that are swiped through the terminal. Mm-hmm. Not, pin, not with the PIN number, but signature debit. Right. And so they combine those into this is all the qualified transactions. Now, the object there, of course, is that you're going to make a lot of money off the debit ones. Right, because they have such a low cost, right? Right. Um, and so you're going to make money off of that. But um, there's also split pricing or four-tier pricing, and that's where they're going to say, here's your qualified rate for signature debit. Mm-hmm. Here's your qualified rate for standard credit transactions. Mm-hmm. Then you have your mid-qualified or mid-qual. Now, the mid-qualified, this one can get a little bit tricky. So usually with mid-qualified, it usually has to do with the method of entry. It's usually that this is like a phone sale. Okay. Uh, and also some of the lower reward cards. But mm-hmm. I've seen statements, and again, there's there's no like industry standard thing that says what a mid-qualified right. is. It's up to the processor. Right. And I, I've seen something ridiculous. And that's where it becomes really complex. Uh, it does, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so you know, I've seen, I saw one just a couple weeks ago. I was doing a consulting gig, actually, and they gave me a statement to show, like analyze in front of the whole like 40 sales agents we were doing like a sales training seminar uh-huh. and i pulled it up and it was so funny it was a merchant where uh they had maybe like 15 percent of their transactions were qualified mm-hmm. none were mid-qualified really and 85 percent were non-qualified mm. <laughs> and i'm like yeah, um, uh, something's hmm. wrong here and their mid-qual rate you won't believe this their mid-qual rate was 5.8 percent non-qual so like non-qualified rate 5.8 percent i mean there is no interchange category above 295 right. that I'm aware of. So anyway. But yeah, so uh, that's your, your mid-qualified is those mid-qualified usually have to do with the method of entry or that it's like a rewards card. Something like that is usually what causes it to go in there as a, tr- as a general rule. Mm-hmm. Then your highest rate is going to be your non-qualified. Non-qualified transactions <clears throat> usually are downgrades, meaning it was entered incorrectly. Right. It wasn't settled the same day. There's some kind of issue with the, the magnetic card stripe, you know, whatever. Um, or it's a higher-end rewards card, corporate rewards card, mm-hmm. a card where the interchange rate is really, really high. That's how it should be. Now, of course, again, like I said, it depends on the on the processor. Right, that right. Now, there's definitely some good things. And I just in a recent episode, we talked to... Who is that we were talking to that does the two-tier thing? Uh, Spot On. Spot On. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Spot On does two-tier pricing. So they have like a 1.89% and 15 cent uh, kind of like their their qualified rate, but they've kind of done a weird like blended qualified and mid-qualified basically. Mm -hmm. You know, then they have their non-qualified at a higher rate. I can't remember what it was. But, um, you know, so there's different, but the the core of it is we're going to take all the transactions and put them into buckets or tiers. So the plus is that it is a very simple um, structure, it's not flat rate, which we're going to talk about later, 
Um, it's it's because the problem with flat rate, we'll talk about the issue there, is that your profitability is going to be all over the place. Mm -hmm. So this allows you to control your profitability a little bit better right. than flat rate. Sure. Um, offers the simplicity. Right. The downside is is it's the least transparent. Right. Because who knows what a qualified transaction really is versus mid-qualified. Right. And when your merchant says, hey, why do these transactions end up in non-qualified? You're going to say, I have no idea. Like, I don't care who you are. You don't know the answer to that question unless mm -hmm. you're high mm -hmm. up in the processing company. So um, tier pricing used to be really, really popular. Merchants started to get a little bit leery of it, and it kind of fell out of favor. Again, there's some unique approaches, like we talked about spot on, that's got the qualified and then the non-qualified, no mid. Um, and so there's different things like that. And it's funny, really, even Square has actually kind of gone to tier pricing in a way mm -hmm. because they've started doing the thing of we have our flat rate, but oh wait, if it's this, then it's right. If it's keyed in, it's higher, you know. And they've done different things like that for for depending on what solution you have. So tier pricing can really be a great one to go out there and sell if somebody is like, wow, this my statement's so complicated. You can do some version of a tier pricing that will provide that simplicity, but also control your margins a lot better than flat rate, which we're going to talk about next week. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.